You awake? Yeah. I just want you to know I hate you. So is my dad. Please go away. Let me sleep for the love of God! Why don't you tell me a story? How do you sleep at night? I don't want to hang out with a bunch of wannabe corporate sellouts. Rock and roll bedtime stories. We exist to set straight rumor in your window. Things you've heard about your favorite bands and songs. My name is Brian. And I'm Murdoch. The Thirsty Peddler. What are you drinking there, buddy? Looks delicious. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I got to tell you. There's this brewery that's in, um, where are they at? Grand Haven, Wisconsin. They're called Odd Sides. And they have some dank beer. <laughs> and this one is called <laughs> Cat in the Wall, which oh, I'm nice. showing you the picture yeah, yeah, of. Yeah, it. it's beautiful. And and on the back it says, Cat in the Wall. Hey, now you're talking my language. Enjoy this smooth, juicy New England style IPA loaded with Centennial Mosaic and Chinnacops. Right meow. Right meow. Yeah, it even has the Super Troopers reference on it. Love it. That, so. That's amazing. I'm I'm doing something less entertaining just Sierra Nevada tonight, but it's uh, delicious. And yeah. uh, th- right. those are not sponsor reads. That's right. Um, and. What's happening? Dude, so I, crazy thing. So I was Googling something the other day, something totally not related to this show. And I come across this headline in the Google search results that says, Arrest made in the murder of go-go music legend Rory Felton, original member of Rare Essence. And I was like, well, that sounds like a band that I think I maybe have heard of at some point. And wait, somebody was murdered? And so I clicked. And let me just tell you, what happened was a journey. Um, what do you know? What do you know about Rare Essence? I don't know anything until you play this song that I might have heard of before. No, I don't know if you've heard any of this. Uh, what do you know about go-go music? I, I don't know. First, I thought it was go-go dancers or the go-go's, but now I don't think I know anything. Well, and when I saw Rare Essence, my brain probably was thinking Rare Earth, right? Right. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. But but Rare Essence is is a band that was part of the go-go movement, which was regional music that came out of the Washington, D.C. and Maryland area. Okay? Um, okay. And Time period? So 70s is when it starts. But basically, it's a okay. subset of funk. And it's spearheaded by this guy, now known as the godfather of go-go, Chuck Brown. And it's, it's mostly regional until about 84, when this guy at Island Records named, named, Chris, named Chris Blackwell. Chris, Chris Blackwell, yeah. That guy. Yeah, so you know about Chris Blackwell. Yeah, he's instrumental in just enormous things that happen at Island's Records. So. so he hears Chuck Brown on the radio, okay? And he decides to go on a signing spree. So he starts handing out record contracts to these bands. And let me just, let me give you some context for what this music sounds like, okay? Yeah, I'm ready. Go, go music, right? Yeah. This is a song called Hit the Floor. Ladies and gentlemen, we got rare essence in the house tonight. You might recognize the uh, vocalist there. So, Rare Essence is one of these bands that's, you know, we talk a lot about this as music fans, where there might be bands that you and I will geek out about that the average person we meet at a McDonald's drive-thru has, has never heard of, but they've heard a lot of bands who were really influenced by or really loved that band, right? Yeah. Good example of this is like Pavement. 
or you know even i mean if you take it back you know for a while like you know, not everybody knows who Towns Van Zant is, but Towns Van Zant influenced a whole bunch of songwriters, everybody from the Counting Crows to the Avid Brothers, right? right so sure. there's guys headlining music festivals now who listen to this music that may not necessarily translate to their fans. I, I believe Rare Essence is a bit like that. They had hits that ran, you know, especially regionally. They had some songs that got worked nationally, but they really killed in this area around their hometown. This is similar to, it's not at all the same, but in terms of musical genres, it's similar to, to Red Dirt Country. Do you know what Red Dirt Country is? Have we ever is talked about the, this? Uh, um, no, I guess go ahead. I was just going to make some derogatory remarks about country music. <laughs> you, might, you might like some Red Dirt Country. Red Dirt Country is kind of in between the Americana alt country stuff that we like and mainstream country, and it really exists in Arkansas, Oklahoma, and Texas. And there is, if you've lived in any of those states, as I have, you know about all these bands. There's guys like Wade Bowen, and um, the biggest crossover was a guy named uh, Pat Green, who had a, a hit or two in mainstream country um, yep. that kind of broke sure. through. Uh, Jason Boland is one of these guys. There's uh, Cross Canadian Ragweed was a big band in this scene yeah. for a long time. Cross Canadian Ragweed. Oh my gosh. And they, okay. they got pretty close to breaking out too. But if you get into Arkansas, Oklahoma, Texas, and you get, especially in your college towns, they sell out bars every night of the week. Um, huge, huge uh, presence in those areas. But if you get out of those states, nobody's ever heard of them. And I think, it, it, and from what I can tell, Go-Go, is 100% this way. And it, it really is this kind of hybrid of funk that eventually gets kind of co-opted by hip-hop, okay? But it, back to Chris Blackwell, this is a really interesting thing. Along with recording contracts, Chris Blackwell, because he's this consummate business guy that you've already alluded to, decides, I have this idea, we're gonna make a go-go movie. And we're gonna make a soundtrack. And it's gonna be, it's basically gonna be like the harder they come, Washington, D.C., okay? Okay. So this is, the story of this film could be its own rock and roll bedtime stories. I mean, because what they do is they make this film called Good to Go, and it was plugged with problems. Don Letts is hired as a co-director. He was let go halfway through the production. It, it starts to become less about music. The movie itself becomes less about music and more about drugs and violence, right. and it eventually gets gets completed, Um it gets held, which is always the death kiss. If you follow film at all, when a movie gets held, it's bad news. So they don't release it in 85. They end up releasing it almost a year later at the end of 86. It does really poorly. Um, and this is kind of pointed to as, okay, this is why Go-Go didn't break mainstream. Like there's a version of the world where if all things had gone plan as planned with Chris Blackwell's big idea here that we would, I would say, you know, Go-Go music and you would say, of course, Right, everybody knows go-go music, but well, and Chris Blackwell kind of—I always thought he kind of batted pretty close to a thousand. I didn't know he had you know any failures really. Uh, apparently, there's a few, and but that doesn't mean the go-go doesn't have its its moments, right? Um, it, it starts to permeate culture in weird ways. Like for instance, you hear a go-go beat on this version of this classic song, and I know you know this one. Okay. So do you remember the 80s pop version of this song by Club Nouveau? Club Nouveau, yeah. Sure. Yeah, we played this on the radio. Now, remember when the beat kicks in? 
Yeah, so that's that's what GoGo is. Yeah. We'll wait for okay. it. It's worth it. When was the last time you just sat back with a beer and listened to Lean On Me? Any version. Uh, Wednesday. <laughs> there you go. Is it because of which beats it's on? So... It has a lot to do with percussion. In fact, we're going to get to the influence of this particular group. But one of the things that this particular group that we're talking about today was known for is that they had a a guy who introduced a certain form of percussion into this music and made it kind of a signature of this music. Um, and, And it had to do with smaller drums and hand drums and just really interesting kind of specific stuff. But yeah, it had a lot to do with the percussion. That's what Gogo's known for. And so... You know, there were go-go beats in Midnight Star songs, and there was go-go oh. beats in, in uh, you know, LeBert songs. And there, there was oh. all of these. There's even this group called the Junkyard Band who ends up working with Rick Rubin. So that's how close this got to breaking through. Oh, and Midnight Star, dude. Uh, Freakazoid. Yeah. No parking on the dance floor. Dude, so I've probably talked about this guy before, but I worked with this Pizza guy at radio. Who would, Pizza Hut oh. jukebox, just want to say. <laughs> I think I have said this because I think you had brought it up on the pizza jukebox and I've told this story before, but there's this guy that I used to work with in radio who would puke in the mic real bad and, you know, whip his lips around. And yeah. and he would always, I'd have to cut up his tracks for this yeah. Supermix 80s show that he would do. Tell me that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he would always do, hey, it's Midnight Star, no parking on the dance floor. <laughs> um, so anyway, there eventually the moment passes in pop culture to where this is going to break through, but the bands don't go away. They continue. And in 1999, rare essence had even like was is still doing stuff. And they have some controversy because they put out this song called overnight scenario. And it's the song is built on this structure of an hour to hour account where it's somebody telling a story and they're like, in this hour I did this. And in this hour I did this. And in their version of this, they use the line, three in the morning, the pancake house. Now, around that same time, a song comes out by a certain Sean Carter, um, Jay-Z. And it's called, Do It Again, Put Your Hands Up. And I don't know if you know this song, but it follows the exact same thing, where it's an hour-by-hour accounting. And whereas Rare Essence says, three in the morning at the pancake house, Jay-Z says, four a.m. at the Waffle House. And so there becomes this kind of brouhaha about is, can you call this plagiarism? Is it just a similar concept? So the the group had been performing this song for almost a decade when Jay-Z's song comes out. And so they're a little concerned about like, are we getting taken, you know, Jay-Z probably could, could write us a check or two. Like what's going on here? So you want to know what Jay-Z's defense was? Uh, I I never been to the uh, IHOP. That's probably true, but he said, uh, go-go music is just remakes of other artists' songs anyway. Somehow that worked. So, it, Yeah, you know, uh, what was what was the name of that thing that Jay-Z had where it was, uh, he had a mixtape of the White Album that he did with Danger Mouse? Yeah. What, what's that called? Uh, the Grey yeah. Album? It's called also a mixtape. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> so, in, to, to show you go-go... Overrated. To show you how... Um, big Go-Go really was and still continues to be for certain people in certain parts of the country. 
last year, a, a year ago, in February 2020, Go-Go was named the official music of Washington, D.C. <laughs> they actually took a vote at the city council meeting because there was a Don't Mute D.C. movement. Uh, Go-Go historians and local activists had been advocating for the city's investment in Go-Go tourism. And that continues to happen because they're seeing it as a potential way to bring money into the city due to the COVID-19 pandemic in the aftermath of all of this. Come come yeah. see the home of Go-Go. Let's talk about Go-Go like we would talk about Memphis or we would talk about Nashville, right? Yeah. So it's really interesting. So that's all background. There's something much more sinister at the heart of this story, and that is murder. Murder. <laughs> so you heard that headline. Rory Felton was found stabbed to death inside a home on Forrester Street Southwest at about 2 a.m. on April 20th, 2018. Oh, 18. Dude, that's two years ago. So two okay. years ago, and, and the headline I saw that started me down this rabbit trail is from a year ago. It is from January of 2020. So D.C. police announced in 2020 that they had arrested and charged with first-degree murder a 20-year-old man named Juan Green. So Rory, at the time of his death, was in his late 50s. This guy's 20. He stabbed him to death. Not... You know, not a shot, not, I mean, this is a very yeah. deliberate act. Now, here's the, cra- so, so that's crazy. And so I start looking this up, right? I can't find anything else about the story. Uh, he, he's arrested in January. He's killed in 18. He's arrested in January. Since January of 2020, um, almost two years after the murder, there's not been any update to this. So I have no idea what's happening. I don't know if Juan Green is on trial. I don't know if he's just sitting in prison. I can't find anything that says it's moving forward at all. But what I did find was more reporting around the murder. And this is crazy, Murdoch. All right, well, I'm ready. This is, I'm ready for the left turn. Let's do it. DC's death, not the first time he came face to face with violence. The saxophonist, who was a founding member of the band, was shot in the head with a stray bullet 26 years before in 1992. <laughs> Okay. His wife says he was in a coma and he wasn't supposed to make it and they were trying to convince her to pull the plug. He woke up a month after he went into a coma in 1992. Wow. Okay. That's a long time to be in a coma. He lives for another quarter of a century and then is stabbed to death. Oh. So... That's crazy, right? So I'm, I'm just... I'm looking for more stories on this, right? And I look... In their Wikipedia page, and I'm reading about the group, and I notice in the footnotes, like not the footnotes, but the very last thing on their Wikipedia entry is a list of their personnel and people who have been in the group. And in one sentence, there is one sentence that says, in 1994, their drummer, Quentin Foots Davidson, was murdered. This is the second murder in this band. So then, so then I get on this thing. I got I to gotta read about the other murder. <sighs> okay, I'm going to read to you from the news article from the Washington Post in 1994, which will be in the show notes. A motorist discovered Davidson's body Saturday night lying on the shoulder of Route 50 near Corporate Drive in Landover. Davidson, who was 33, had been shot at least once in the upper body and likely left for dead. Davidson's mother reported him missing Sunday after he failed to appear for a performance Saturday night. Oh. 
He was the father of six children, and when he was his body was discovered, he had no ID on him. Uh uh-uh. uh. So weird. awful, weird. It gets weirder. So oh, there's more. Okay, great, dude. This this whole story doesn't stop. So in June, so this happens, and they they go back and look. This is in September of ninety four. Drummer, right? he's the drummer. Yeah, which that really messes you up. He helped. He was, again, a founding member, helped establish the band 18 years before this. So this is 94. So I think 78 is when they were founded. So 76, something like that. So he, three, this was in September when he died. They go back and they look and they find that there is a police report. In June, Davidson reported to police that he had been abducted from his home by three men who approached him in his driveway, forced him at gunpoint into their car, and handcuffed and blindfolded him. Davidson told the police that as he rode in the backseat of the car, the men repeatedly demanded that he surrender the band's receipts from a previous concert. Davidson told his kidnappers that he did not have the money, and the men eventually returned him unharmed to his home. At the time, however, Scott told investigators the band earned approximately $2,500 to $7,000 per show. That's not terrible okay. in 1992. But the problem is yeah. Rare Essence has like uh, 12 people, people in the band. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> right. they got so a whole horn section and extra percussionists. Yeah, um, got to pay somebody to drive that big ass. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, well, we use the credit card. Kathy's credit card pays for our gas. Like all that stuff. No one makes any money. Anyway, sorry. So good. So I'm I'm just shocked by this story. And it took me several articles about his death to find all these details in this really prolonged story. So then I'm I'm Googling again. I'm like, this is crazy. And I'm Googling his name over and over to see what I can find. So that's nineteen ninety-four. I quickly find a Washington Post article from nineteen ninety-nine entitled Son of Slain Musician killed in Prince George's. The 16-year-old son of legendary go-go musician Quentin Foots Davidson was fatally shot Monday night outside his home in Temple Hills almost five years after his famous father was also slain in Prince George's County. He was gunned down at 8.45 p.m. 100 yards from his family's apartment as he was walking home. His father, the star drummer and founding member of Rare Essence, was a pioneer of go-go music uh, who was fatally shot along Route 50 in Landover in 1994 and is killing his gun unsolved. I cannot find anything on the drummer's murder son? since the mid-90s. There's nothing. What about, the, what about the son? Because he was shot a football field away from his house, from wherever he lived. Prince George's police said yesterday they were looking for a teenage suspect in the killing. Police didn't identify the suspect other, to say, other than to say that they also think he's a teenager in the same age range. Police said the motive for the shooting is unclear, but they added that the suspect had argued with Davidson in the past. Davidson was the fourth homicide victim in four days in Prince George's and the third juvenile to be slain in the county this year. Wow. Okay. So, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things to discuss here. There, some of this is a product of, of living in a very violent, ignored, you know, rough part of D.C., probably. But the coincidence of one band who had a pretty big effect in a music scene having this many deaths in it is a story that it's not necessarily like 
I mean, it's a sad story, but there is, I can't find any one piece of, of uh, writing that has tied any of this together. <laughs> like I've been looking and, and the only thing I can find are these individual news articles that I'm piecing together from, from over 25 years. Maybe it was, uh, I mean, considering if you think about like maybe somebody, you know, was kind of inside on the whole thing. I like to see the receipts. Yeah. Like, like what is that? What a weird mean? story. And I mean, you know, maybe these things are disconnected, but like, I want to know where is, there are so many true crime podcasts. Where is the true crime podcast about rare essence? Does it exist? Someone email me. We are the story guys at gmail.com. If there is a podcast about this already, hit me up. Cause I want to know what's going on, but or someone, someone go tell those two ladies about it. Cause they, they should. <laughs> they <laughs> no, should we need to get that. We need to get that kid that's been solving them. What's his name? Payne Lindsay. Somebody, who can, can get on this case because, I mean, Rare Essence, they're not done. They're still playing. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming the pandemic has slowed things down, but I believe yeah. that the band itself has has gone on. You know, they repla- they're one of these giant acts that replaces, you know, players. But, I mean, they had an original member playing up to two years ago who was still playing saxophone for them until he died. Can you imagine, even with a band that's been together for almost 20 years, you and I have a criminal enterprise, and we want to get some money, and we decide that we need to go kidnap one of the members of the band, and you and I go get a van, and we go get him in the driveway, tie him up, blindfold him, and we have the drummer. What's wrong with that picture? The drummer's not the guy that's collecting the checks at the end of the night. (laughs) No, he's too busy putting up all that shit. He's got all this stuff to put away. Like, geez, and no one helps. Like, you know, the girlfriend or the wife helps or whatever. Like, or if you have like a really nice band member that helps you do that. But generally, the drummer knows exactly how he wants everything packed up into those specific bags and all that. And he was going to screw it up. Like, that guy's too busy taking care of his own business to be taking care of the money. That's like somebody else's issue. The drummer is not the guy with the cash. That is a really, really, really good point. So, so here's what I want to do. I just, I, <laughs> my brother's a drummer, and you know the person you didn't list helping someone unload their or load their drums up at the end of the night is a really nice older brother. Um, but uh, I was just talking about somebody tonight. I was at an event and they were loading up uh, equipment that they were using to shoot cameras and, and sound equipment and stuff. And I was like, I know you don't want any help loading this up because you've got a way that you're winding the cables and that's really expensive equipment. But like. As the brother of a drummer, I feel pain right now, you know, not not being able to help you. Um, this is what I want to do. I, I I just, I'm fascinated by this. So first, if anyone knows anything about this, hit us up. Um, secondly, I, like, I feel like we need to listen to Rare Essence. Like, I think that needs to happen. So I'm going to put on Must Be Like That from their live record from 1995 called So What You Want. And it features Doug E. Fresh, because that sounds like a good place to start as any. Wow, Dougie Fresh. And, All right. and that's what that's how we're gonna start. And then I'm just gonna ask you to to listen to some rare essence today. You know? Like go on Spotify, go on YouTube, support the band, man. And then let's get that that um, that Washington DC music tourism going. I'm ready to go yeah. see the side of some some go go music. I learned something today, Brian. This was helpful. <laughs> If you've got something you want to you want us to check out, uh, send us a hot lead. We are the story guys at gmail.com. Uh, we are the story guys.com is our home for everything we're working on. Uh, and in the meantime, what do people need to keep doing, Murdoch? 
Get your go-go on and keep telling stories.